0: Hey there! This is Story Story Late Night, the positively shameless black sheep of the Story Story Night family, where you hear bleep-worthy stories on an unblushing theme. I'm artistic director Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we nip our summer season in the bud with stories on the theme painting the roses red. During the slam, things got curiouser and curiouser as guest host Jessica Holmes randomly drew names from the hat during a madcap spill the tea party of five minute stories recorded live at the Visual Arts Collective in Garden City, Idaho. Follow the white rabbit, it's story time. All right, uh, so it's Henry. Did you he know the Hello.
1: Well, I'm glad this night is about dildos. (laughs) Because the story is loosely about a dildo, you could say. (laughs) It's about uh, a high school suspension I got in construction class. Um, My class had the honor of building a, a new shed for the high school. So we were always going in and out, in and out of the building, as was the professor, Mr. Blome. And uh, so as it is, he you know, was always out of the, uh, the construction room. And being a young whippersnapper, I figured it'd be funny with my friend Kyle to uh, do something with the piles of extra plywood lying around the, uh, the room. So we're like, hey, why don't we uh, go over to the bandsaw and make a, a dick? <laughs> so we both made our own dick. <laughs> you know? And um, so that, that was Monday. And we both make a, a successful dick. And I hide mine on, right under his attendance book. And... My buddy Kyle puts it on the chalkboard, kind of off to the side. And Tuesday morning comes by, and Mr. Bloom says nothing. So we thought we got away, you know? So Tuesday afternoon comes by, and we thought there's nothing better to do than make a few more dicks. (laughs) So we're back to the bandsaw, you know? And uh, so we put him in a a bit more obvious of a spot. I put it on top of his attendance book. And and Kyle puts his in the middle of the chalkboard. And uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning comes around and Mr. Blum again says nothing. So chances be we think to do it again and the way that the classroom is shaped you know the bandsaw i'm on my back is to the rear door and my buddy's bandsaw is at a angle so if you were a professor that happened to walk into the classroom you might see what my friend kyle was doing but not what i was doing so mr bloom sneaks on in two guys are at the bandsaw What you doing? And luckily those things have emergency brakes, so I slam the thing and he can see what Kyle's doing. So um, he's already got his eyes on Kyle, heading over to Kyle and I take this uh, wooden dick that I'm halfway through and (laughs) walk away and shove it into my pants. (laughs) I got a wooden dick in my pants walking down... This little hallway thing. And Mr. Blome stops me. You know, I turn around like I got nothing, man. And uh, he heads on over to the garbage can, takes out the plastic bag, throws it down, reaches into the garbage can. He's got a pile of wooden dicks, you know. Slams them on the table. He says, you did all of these. And sure as fuck, we did. (laughs) So he sent us down to the principal's office, and he tried to get us out of his classroom, and a day or two later, we're sitting with the principal, and um, as opposed to truly yelling at us, he actually uh, critiqued us on all of our wooden dicks. (laughs) He said it, it gave the nurse a good laugh.
0: The next story slammer is Aaron R. All right, Aaron.
2: Hello. Hi. Um, So I started out here as a story slammer, um, which then I became a featured storyteller. And then I entered a competition, and now I'm a comic here locally. Um, So I thought I would tell a story about, you know, behind the curtain and how uh, jokes are made, right? And usually it comes from um, tragedy (laughs) that we try to make relatable. Um, So recently I've been doing a joke about a breakup. Um, And the first thing that I was actually taught in this workshop to become a comedian for this competition was, hey, ladies, the first rule is don't date comics. (laughs) Well, I like to learn my lesson the hard way um, and get things over with real quickly. Uh, So I ended up um, meeting a comic. We uh, started writing together. And um, instead of writing, we'd just talk about our lives and all the similarities that we'd have, everything that we had in common. Um, And then we hung out for a whole weekend. And he stayed on my couch because he also didn't have a home. (laughs) And then by the end of the weekend, we went out to breakfast. And uh, we're having this conversation, and the first thing out of his mouth was, hey, I could fall in love with anything, like that chair over there, but I can't fall in love with you. Yeah, so here's the thing. The start of this joke is that I talk about the fact that I have been in therapy for three years. It's two, but three sounds better. Um, Mainly so that I can have a good relationship with healthy boundaries. When I met him... That went all out the window Uh, because then I thought, yeah, sure, I'm not ready for a relationship either. I'm in therapy, this isn't gonna work. But in my mind, uh, and I say this on stage, uh, that was challenge accepted. I'm gonna try to make you love me. (laughs) And for six months, uh, we played this back and forth game. Um, We would stay up all night writing jokes and he would stay on my couch quite a bit. (laughs) Uh, because again, he had no home to go to. Uh, And then one night, we decided to take um, a drug called Molly. (laughs) MDMA, used to be called ecstasy. And that makes you feel really good inside. So then we decided that we would just open up to each other because that's what you do in a room alone. You open up together and you um, both admit, and again, this isn't my joke, you you both admit that your therapists say that you're in a relationship. So what you do is say, okay, why the fuck not? Let's just try and do this. And so we did. And then um, that lasted uh, about uh, a week before he told me that it wasn't worth the effort to try and do this. Uh, (laughs) And so then we still kept hanging out and and things progressed um, and then we tried again. Uh, And it sounds like a sad story, it really does, Um, but I ended up getting off that crazy train. I finally decided that um, we should have a separate we should take time apart um, because we were just two toxic people. Um, and so the nice thing about it is that uh, I have found myself. Yeah, yay. <laughs> I heard that one, yay, thank you. Um, but then I also talk about the fact is as soon as I ended things, I actually did get onto Amazon and purchase books Um, with titles that were The Broken Girl's Guide to Love and What a Time to Be Alone. And actually a very good book called Attach the New Science um, between uh, finding love and keeping love. But what I say in the joke is actually it's uh, just tricking yourself and someone else into falling in love forever. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, But the best part and the most cathartic thing is that I told that bit in front of him and his new girlfriend, and she laughed the whole time. Yes, thank you. That's, that's it. <laughs> All right, and
0: our next story slammer is Mary.
3: Okay, wow. Um, So, Painting the Roses Red. When I thought about that title, I thought, you know, it's kind of like painting the red flags green, the whole dating thing, you know, where you hear hear one thing, and then you're like, well, you know, maybe 11 ayahuasca trips in your lifetime. You're really, you know what, therapy's not for you, but if you want to do that drug that makes you throw up, um, so you can get these revelations, sure. Um, so anyway, so I think about that. But that's actually not what my story is about. Um, it could be, but it's not. So anyway, so my story is about when I was in college way back. I graduated college, and I did not know what to do with myself. So this is 1999. I decided to take a year off. I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to go travel. It's going to be fantastic. So. I get this like work study visa, I go to Australia, I'm traveling around, I decide Australia is not crazy enough for me, it's not, it's so Western. So everyone's talking about going to Indo, we're going to Asia, we're going to Southeast Asia and I'm like, sure, let's go. So I go to Southeast Asia. We go to Thailand first, and we go to Kosan Road. And so Kosan San Road's this like crazy kind of place with lots of—it's just insane. Like a lot of ladyboys, which are now called drag queens, but they they call them ladyboys in Thailand for some reason. Um, a lot of just crazy stuff. First day out, I just like decide I'm going to go sightseeing by myself. So I have a couple friend with me, and they're like, "Okay, well we're going to go to get the beat uh, the." bus tonight to koh yang for the full moon party and I'm like okay great but I'm gonna go explore so I go explore and I go to the temples and so I'm at the temples and this is like so cool and like at the same time I'm kind of like feeling nauseous because there's so much like just really pollution and I'm like scratching my arm and there's like uh, dirt under my nails, but I'm having a great time. So this guy comes up to me and talks to me and he can speak English and so we're chatting and um, it turns out we start chatting and I, I tell him where I'm from. Turns out he has family from there. Oh, interesting. Okay, so side note, well, do I tell so this side note right now? Okay, so he's like, hey, he starts talking to me and he's like, What are you doing? Just graduated, da, da 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 and I'm like, what do you do? He's like, Well, you know, I just graduated from like medical school and do you know how I paid for it? Like obviously we were talking a little bit longer. And he I'm like, No, he's like high sapphires. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. He's like, we have the best sapphires here, and because you're a tourist on a tourist visa, you can buy these sapphires at a really discounted, low, low government price. Oh my God, eating that up. I'm like, okay, okay, I don't know. Let me go see first, okay? But I'm gonna get like a free ride. He's gonna take me sightseeing and all this stuff. So I blame this. I mean, I am 21 at the time. My prefrontal cortex is like, it's not developed yet. That's 25. I've got a fucking bunch of thing to grow into here. So I'm just like living life, and I'm like, maybe this is I'm going to be an international jewel saleswoman. It's going to be so exciting. So, So I go to the government sale, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I buy, like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. They convinced me that you can buy them in Thailand and basically do arbitrage. You can go down to a country that doesn't have these sapphires in a sort of Western place that would be willing to pay good money for them. And he kept asking, like, when do you go home? When do you go home? And I'm like, I'm away. from for a year. And I'm like, but I'm going to like Singapore, that's more developed, right? Like I could probably like, I'm going down from here to Malaysia and then Singapore, so I'll just sell them down there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that works, that works. So um, (laughs) of course, he's like, that works. So I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I buy like a set, like earrings, a necklace, and a ring. I don't know. I mean, who's going to want to buy that for me? But anyway. And the other tricky thing is he can't give them to me. He's got to mail them to Kuala Lumpur, to to KL, because that's really edgy, to the um, post office there, the general post office, because he doesn't have the supply. I can't be caught traveling with them, blah, 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 blah. So it's just such a bad plan. So I go home, and I tell the couple, David and Lindsay, this, and they are just like, did you read the book? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Did you read The Lonely Planet? Like, this is, like, the scam of the scams. Like, this is what they do here. And I'm like, oh. So these, this couple is, like, like just, like, is, like, disgusted by me, kind of. They're kind of like, whoa. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this chick? And I'm like, I didn't know. Like, I don't know. They're like, what's your plan? I'm like, I don't know. So I, I went down a sh- I decided, like, We can't not agree. We we can't just disagree and like hang out. Like I've now need to like like separate myself from them because I feel all this shame. And I'm like, fuck you guys. I'm leaving. I'm going on this adventure. So um, because I didn't know you could actually disagree with someone and still like coexist. I didn't really get that. I was like, I gotta break and run. Like fuck. I'm down. Let me go be more down. Okay. So I go. I leave. I finally make my way down to. Kuala Lumpur, and this was probably the most exciting thing was like, I went into this like, I felt like I was in a movie. It's like this huge post office. It's this crazy city. And I go in and I like, I'm like, looking for my mail. And it's there. It's like this package. And it's there. And it's so exciting. But then I'm like, oh, I am not a good salesperson. I'm like, I gotta go sell this? Like, I'm gonna sell this here? So anyway, so I go down to, oh, and I didn't know, like in Malaysia, it's like a mix. Like there is, it's very mixed. So there's little India, there's little China or Chinatown. So it's little India and Chinatown. Anyway. So like all of the jewel, all of the people that buy this shit are Chinese and they're very serious and stern business people. They do not. What the fuck are they going to do with me? So I go in and I try to like sell this stuff and they're like, They don't don't even wanna talk to me. There's like a language barrier. And finally, (laughs) I go to the one guy and I start crying and I'm like, you have to look at this. Like you have to at least like tell me like, is it even real? And uh, he looks at it and he's like, uh, I spent like 2,500 for it in Australian dollars. So in US dollars, it was probably like, it was like half of that, but still, I mean, I have to invest in my future guys, come on. My parents gave me a graduation gift. And, you know, this is what I'm fucking doing with it. After the trip, who was living at home? Uh, me. But anyway, sorry if that was a spoiler alert that this does not work out and I'm not working for Sotheby's or one of the major, like, um, jewelry auction houses or anything like that. Um, anywho, uh, so what happens? So whatever, I get the stuff. And he's like, okay, this the sapphires are not real, but the gold is real, and I can melt it for you and give you about something-something ringgits, which is like... $250. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> oh no, actually, I didn't take it. Now that I'm thinking back, I didn't take it. So this is what happened. So I didn't take it. I was like, fuck, what am I gonna do? So I just continued to travel, blah, blah, blah. It's like hanging, is it, is it coming? It's coming? Oh, f- I'm a long talker. So anyway, so I was wondering if there's like a halfway queue, like they do at 12 step meetings where they're like, hey, almost time. Okay, so, um, <laughs> Long story longer, <laughs> uh, I, I meet up with these cool Canadians, I make it all the way down to these cool islands, the Perinthian Islands in Asia, and I tell them the story and they're like, we're going back to Bangkok. And I'm like, I'm going back to Bangkok, I'm getting my money back. So I actually went in a cab wanting to go to the government whatever jewelry store address, which doesn't happen, the guy's like calling the guy, I can hear, all I hear is, da 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 which means foreigner, wants to come to your shop, and he like doesn't wanna bring me there, but they bring me there. I mean, let's just say, the guy has a mole this lo- with hair this long in it, and he's taking two um, coins and trying to, uh, tweeze it while we're going. And I'm like, I am in fucking hell, what am I thinking? So, they take me to a back room. I'm with these two large Canadian women who are like going back for me. I go back, and I'm like, I'm going to tell the, I'm like telling, I'm going to tell, so it's like the like 10th most fucking, uh, what is the word? Scandalous, not scandalous. Uh, scandalous. the scan Whatever. They're not, they, they, they take graft, all that kind of shit. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to report you. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, whatever. And he's like, I'm like, I want my money back. You don't understand. And then he gives me, he like does this equation and he's like, I can give you this. So it's basically like half of my money. And I'm like, I'll take it, and then that was the I'll take it. I got the fuck out of there and felt really like kick ass, and the shame was gone. And um, I won't do that again. I pretty much. That's it. Thanks, yeah. Scott.
4: It's you. <laughs> yeah, I really regret putting my name in that fucking hat now. Um. So my girlfriend was like, hey, you got to tell that story about the time that those uh, three transvestite Asians picked you up and took you home and had their way with you. <laughs> no, that's a little too personal. So what you guys are gonna get tonight is, um, basically, threesome gone wrong. <laughs> so I, was, I got a little preface a little bit. I, I, had a, I was dating this woman for a while, um, a few years ago. And, um, <sighs> shit. I had to lose, so she was she was really freaking cool and really, really good looking. And um, she had to, ha- I had to have like all the testing, like blood work and everything done just to be able to have sex with her and I had to put up with her shit for like about seven months before I finally had any, got any from her. So I mean, that was cool. I mean, she's really cool. Anyway. Um, um, so she comes to me one time, she says, hey, I'm, Really interested in this one woman, and I knew who she was. And she's like, hey, What do you think? I should go out with her? I'm like, uh, You know, that one side of my shoulder was saying, No. And the other side's like, Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. So I was like, Yeah, think about the threesome opportunity you could have later on. Um, so she did. She went out with uh, this woman, and, and I mean, my girlfriend was really good looking, but this gal she was going out with hot. I mean like really hot. And um, so the, it one thing led to another and we were like I'm trying to keep this in five minutes right? So um, I keep thinking man I'm going to have that threesome I always wanted. I mean every guy's fantasy. Everybody wants to have that fantasy thing going. And uh, it finally kind of sort of was getting to that point where next thing you know we were all in my girlfriend's bedroom and my girlfriend was like hey um I want to show my other friend how to give head. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so I became like stunt cock, you know. But it was so not what I expected. I was thinking like this crazy threesome thing going to happen for me. But no, it was like, she was like, no, this is how you do it. And she's like, you know, doing the whole, and I'm just like, yeah. And then, and then their friend would grab it. She's like, this? and it's like. And I'm like, no, no. And it was like, I was just sitting, laying there, and it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, yeah, it was like, this is not exactly what I fucking was expecting here out of this threesome. So the next thing you know, I look over, and the two of them kind of just mash on each other over in the corner, and they're just all going at it. And I'm just over here laying there going, okay, I guess I just forgot about I'm just gonna just sit over here in the corner and watch. And that was pretty much the first experience there. This guy over here, so and this guy so fucking shit. But these two girls over here going, yeah, that's just like that guy we picked up at uh, grocery outlet. Anyway, so then it was like, so remember, that she was like, the one guy, she was really big into the whole testing, make sure I was clean, everything was clean, everything. Well, fast forward a couple months, I was still trying to get with these ladies whenever I could, but it never really worked out. Well, you guys remember the eclipse a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So here I am in Weezer, in a camper, waiting for the eclipse, eclipse happens. I'm with these two ladies at that night, after the eclipse, and I'm thinking, it's finally gonna happen. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yeah, here we go, and I fight. We did, we actually, all three of us were having my threesome fantasy, and it was awesome. I was having sex with two women. It was wonderful. And I was with the woman, the, 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 her my, my, my girlfriend for a little bit, then I went to, the, to her girlfriend and I was with her and I was going to town and I was feeling that and I was almost to that point. You know the point I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, my girlfriend goes, wait a minute, have you been tested? And I looked at her and I, mean, I was like in the middle, I was like, uh, and she just totally ruined the whole moment for me. So anyway, that was my, um threesome experience. And that's all I got to say about that.
0: Next, we are going to draw our slammer of shame. Um, it's Brigitte. Good
5: evening, everyone. Uh, I wanted to offer a little bit of a disclaimer tonight only because, I mean, I think most people have touched on some things that are pretty adult, uh, but I'm definitely going to be slapping you upside either side of your face with it (laughs) for the rest of this story. Uh, so if you don't want to hear it, earmuff yourself or go to confession tomorrow, whatever you'd like to do. Um, My story has a lot of different tie-ins. It's actually maybe like a collection of several short stories. Uh, One of my tie-ins and the reason that I'm hiding is that uh, I'm also a real estate professional as our, our sponsor for the evening is tonight. Round of applause to her. Only she probably hasn't had enough whiskey and also has the good sense not to be sharing some of the things that she goes through in her profession that she decides to keep quiet because we have a lot of different things that we decide not to share with everybody. Um, so sometimes some of the parts where we are, uh, you know, painting the roses red or we're covering things up, um, of course, never anything with adverse material facts or anything that impacts the property. With that, you always disclose, disclose, disclose. <laughs> um, but. But we are in people's homes and we're all human beings and so there's sometimes some private things that end up happening in that regard as well. Oftentimes it's the maybe innocuous, such as taking your client out for a client lunch that didn't sit well with their tummy and maybe they used the restroom and then after the fact you figured out that the property was winterized and the toilets won't flush. So you really suddenly have to run to the gas station and buy several gallons of water to put in the back of the tank and then stop anybody else from coming into the house at all to show it while you paint the roses red. And and then sometimes um, there's things that are slightly more personal like the time that we listed a home for somebody who was a therapist that helped with spicing up adult relationships. There was some interesting artwork in the house, which was, you know, interesting. And then there was the prepping for any showings that you would have going on because you didn't want any of the prospective clients finding anything in the home, which essentially entailed me running over to the house as soon as we got a calling for a showing and then hiding anything that I possibly could. Sex toys, dildos, like whatever had gone on in the group therapy session the night before. and not really knowing where to stash it also, because it was short notice, so sometimes I would just throw things into the dishwasher and hope they didn't get water damaged, (laughs) especially if they were electronical. (laughs) But by far and away, my very best story is the one that I refer to lovingly as the porn house. So this is a little house a little cottage, rather, in the West End, and I think that the Statue of Limitations is like far past so that no one will ever know that what house was on the market that I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, I get a call from this other agent and they say, well, we happen to know that this house is coming on the market, it's not on the market yet. Uh, If you'd like to get in for a sneak peek tonight, you can go take a look at the property. So we go to take a look at the the property. Um, It's a cute house. She gives me the backstory. It's a little old couple who's lived in the house forever and ever. They're 80-something. They've been moved into an assisted living facility. It's their children who are listing the house now. Um, Nothing in the house has been changed, It's completely pristine. So we go to the house and it is darling, something out of a storybook, just quaint. A Little bit of a choppy floor plan for my clients, but uh, we're looking around still in it. It has the the adorable little features like the the little cove for the telephone, you know, back when we had home lines. (laughs) And then we decide that we're gonna go downstairs and we're gonna check out the basement. So we walk downstairs into the basement, and first off, like, it is creepy, creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And we look at each other, and we're like, oh, people definitely got murdered down here, (laughs) hands down. (laughs) The whole basement is super rough. Um, There's just a stand-up shower stall. Like, none of it's finished. There's just concrete. There's, I think, what used to be, like, an old coal chute. but we start joking, and, like, that's where they would, like, burn the evidence. And then there's just one room, just one in the basement that's finished. And it was, like, designed by the Osmond Twins personal designer. <laughs> Only thing that's finished, it's, like, psychedelic wallpaper and shag carpet. And we're, like oh, this is a fuck room. (laughs) This is definitely what's going on here. So we're like, okay, here's the thing. Like, they go down there, they go into the room, they take a shower, they burn any evidence. And we're we're laughing, and we look around the rest of the the basement, and there's all of these really great built-ins from one side of the, the room to the other, and we're like, oh, man, like, this is... Such great storage facility. He definitely did some kind of like woodworking. <laughs> um, and we're like, look at all this storage space and all of these cabinets. And they they go span 20 feet all the way from the floor of the basement to the ceiling. We open them up and <sighs> floor to ceiling porn. <laughs> floor to ceiling so i'm i am not kidding you when i say it's a 20 foot long wall with you know 10 feet from foot to the tips of your fingers and it's just packed like packed tight and i'm thinking oh my gosh like they said that this is this little 80 year old couple that are the only people who've ever lived in this house And why did they leave all this here? The whole rest of the house is vacant. There's nothing else in the house. Like, nothing else. Not even a crumb, not even for a mouse, except for, you know, a 10-foot-high-by-20-foot wall of vintage porn. (laughs) And to tie into Jessica's theme about it being vintage, I, in my young life, had never seen anything like that before. I had only seen women who had had a lot of surgery and were very airbrushed but instead you had these women who they, they was actually their breasts like actual real physical breasts that hadn't been const- like altered through surgery and so much bush like the bush like matched the beehives on their heads And we even found, we even found the 1962 guide to anal sex. Y'all, I didn't even know that they knew what anal sex was in the 1960s. the question then becomes, what are we going to do with this treasure trove of pornography? You know, of course all of these, these collections have been cultivated, if you will, over an extremely long period of time, and they have to be worth something. But then how do you go and tell the poor listing agent in this other house that she has five hours maybe of pornography to remove out of this house and doesn't want to tell the children of the property about it so my clients unbeknownst to me um elected to take a certain number of things from the collection Um, i had gone upstairs and gotten on my phone so that i could call the listing agent and have this Extremely awkward conversation, um, what they had found inside they didn't actually take the physical magazines that were worth um, you know potentially any kind of resale value. Um, what they found inside some of the magazines were Polaroids oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. It was, you know, part of the advent of the instant camera era. And there were some very interesting photos of what I would assume potentially people in the neighborhood when their kids go away to summer camp. (laughs) And they were in the fuck room. And they had taken photos of all of their neighbors coming over to celebrate summer vacation. (laughs) There were some more beehives and some interesting poses on all fours and some things that may or may not have involved a bottle of champagne. So, like any upstanding citizens, while I was away on the phone call, my clients elected to take them and stuff them down the front of their pants. And wander out of the house with them without sharing that with me. I subsequently found out that they had stolen the photos because they elected to have them all framed so that they could be prominently displayed in the home that they eventually purchased, which was not the porn house. Because who knows what kind of black light you need to shine all over that after 80 something years of living in the home. So the painting the roses red part is that in order to ensure that they're very religiously conservative parents, never actually found the photographs that they had pilfered. Uh, They made dual sided picture frames so that when you came in to the home, it was family photos. And everything looked like it was on the up and up, all of the red roses. And then when you had parties, you flipped the photos over to the other side. And that's when you realized that all the roses were white.
0: Thanks for listening, and thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Painting the Roses Red show sponsor Sue Dahlgren of Group 1 Sotheby's International Realty in Boise. The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Evett, with podcast production by Stephen Baldessari, featuring live music from Esteban Anastasio. Support this storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and YouTube at Story Story Night. You can submit to be a featured storyteller by writing story at storystorynight.org. Find our full archive of podcasts at soundcloud.com backslash story story Night.